we are in a series we're calling I Will. Uh, the word has lots to say with I will. I think there might be a graphic that might come on the screen. So many places in God's word. He says, I will. There you go. He says things like, I will dry your eyes. I will never leave you. I will give you rest. I will calm your fears. I will make your path straight. Every time God says, I will, it becomes a promise because he's saying, I'm going to do something. And God's not one to lie. So we're basing these messages around the promises of God that we can cling on to and change our lives with. Amen. Father God, just thank you for these awesome people in this room, for this church. Thank you that we're blessed. Use us, I pray. Use us to be a light to the world. Use us to change people's opinion and thought processes about who you are. Use us to introduce people to Jesus. Thank you, Father. But we stand on your promises today. I pray, Lord God, you could use someone like me to help brilliant people like this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. As you sit, tell three people something good's going to happen now. So today's title, if you're a note maker, today's title is I Will Honor You. I Will Honor You. Turn to the person next to you and go, Ooh. I looked at this and I think I could probably do a whole series on honour. It's a huge topic. I could definitely have done three talks on it. I'm going to skin the surface, but my goal here is just to stimulate some thought process in all of you. You are clever people. Let me start a thought process in you and you pursue the thought process and allow God to take you deeper with it. Amen. Sometimes I think you come to church and you think, this is all I need, it's all I need. It's some of what you need, but you need to take it further for yourself. It's part of digging your trench in the valley. God will fill that space. So let's start right at the beginning. There is the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, in perfect relationship with each other. It's this picture of unity within relationship. It's something that we chase after and dream of. It's something that's kind of represented in the marriage, isn't it? A husband and a wife and the children in unity being a family. Here's the Godhead. And they said, let us, plural, let us make man in our own image. So they make Adam. And they make Adam. And the purpose for that is for relationships. So they have a relationship with themselves. And then they make Adam because they want relationship with Adam. But it soon becomes clear that Adam needs another human. You know, they've been through all the animals. He's named all the animals. And not a helper wasn't suitable for him. You know, imagine if Adam had picked the cow. Church would look different. But they said, no, that's not going to work. Let's make a human. And they made this awesome, whoa, man. And, um, and then there's this relationship. And so right from the start, you need to understand everything was about relationship. The Father relating with the Holy Spirit and the Son. Then they're making Adam for relationship. Then realizing Adam needed an earthly relationship and made a woman. So we are made for relationship with the Father. And we are made for relationship with people. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment, what does he say? Love God, love people. It was always about relationship. And when Jesus is pressed on it, he still says it's about relationship. Why do we make it about religion? It was always supposed to be about relationship. And so they have this relationship and God does this amazing thing. He says, I want relationship with you, Adam. Go and knock the place out. You know, enjoy yourself, discover stuff, explore. It's going to be brilliant. But there's one tree. There's one tree over there. And I just don't want you to touch that one tree. Because what that will do, it will give you a free will opportunity to honor me. If you don't touch that, that is you honor. Do whatever else you like. But don't touch that one. Because that is your respect that I am God and you are not. And that is the way this relationship will work best. If you honor me, then we'll work and it'll be good. What does Adam do? He eats from the tree. 
he dishonours God. And when dishonour came in, it caused a problem. God had to remove Adam and Eve from his presence. And when his presence is gone, do you know what else goes? His covering, his blessing, his provision. Everything goes. Why? Dishonour. Dishonoured the relationship. So they were taken out. And straight away, do you know the next thing that happens? Cain kills Abel. Death comes in. It was interesting, we had one of our um, ladies go into a junior school this week and they were grilling her on why she's a Christian. And, and they, were, they were asking really deep, 10 years old, asking really deep question like, who made God? Does God have a mum and dad? <laughs> why does God allow people to die? And yet here it is right at the beginning, in the presence of God is fullness of life, but apart from him, it leads to death. And it was a choice. It was a choice based on dishonour. And it's a shame. But God loves us. He loves us so much. Even in how our dishonour, he sends Jesus. And he says, but I love you too much just to let it leave it like that. And what does Jesus do? Jesus gives us another choice. It's a free will choice. Sometimes people say to me, Barry, why doesn't just God just make everyone a Christian? Because it's about a relationship. And you can't force, you have to have free will in a relationship. I'm married to Sarah. I can't say, Sarah, you must love me. I mean, look. <laughs> the crying out loud woman, just love me. <laughs> she has to want to love me. It's a relationship. And that's the same with God. Otherwise, it's not love at all. Yeah. It's a dictatorship. And so God has always been about free will. Why? Because he is love. He gave man a free will choice. Just don't touch that tree. One tree. One tree. My understanding is that Eden was about the size of Great Britain. One tree in the whole of Great Britain. Don't touch one tree. And that's what will honour me. And we didn't. And he says, but, but he says, I love you too much. And so he sends Jesus. And I've, I've discovered this in my world. When I'm close to Jesus, life's better. When I'm close to Jesus, I'm not anxious. When I'm close to Jesus, my thought process is clear. When I'm close to Jesus, I wake up in the morning and go, this is the day the Lord's made. Not, oh no, it's Monday. <laughs> it's just better with Jesus. And so I choose to honour Jesus. It's a choice. He will never force that on me. But I get up in the morning and say, God, let me be a vessel of your peace. God, use me today. I'm available to your purposes. I start my every day like that. And what does it do? It's an honour thing. I honour him, he honours me. Life's just better. God thinks you're worth it. When you look at what Jesus went through on the cross, it was just a declaration of you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. But even though I've done this, I'm still giving you free will choice. You can say yes or you can say no. But when you say yes, we step back into the opportunity to honour God. Just like Adam had. Are you with me? You know, when you honour God, he walks with you every day. Life is just better. Turn to three people and say, it's time to honour God. Let's uh, find the verse to hang all this on. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honour me, I will honour. But those who despise me will be disdained. Can you see this cycle? It's relationship. God has played his hand. He sent Jesus. Why? Because he loves you and honours you. And now we get an opportunity to respond. And our response can be 
thanks but no thanks, and that's fine. God will respect that. Still loves you, but you won't, you won't engage his presence and his blessing and his provision and his health and all those things. Or you can say, thank you, Jesus, now I honor you. And what happens is those who honor me, I honor. So it creates this relationship cycle of honor. He's honored me in Jesus. I'm honoring him with my life. I honor him with my life, so he honors me with all the things that are important to me. This cycle of honor keeps going. Can you see it? Here's the thing. The word for honor there is this unusual Hebrew word called kabed. I think it will come on the screen. Honor. Original word or translation, kabed. Can you see it? Korbad. You're supposed to say it like that. Turn to the person next to you in your best Hebrew. Korbad. Definition. To be heavy, weighty, or burdensome. So what it is really saying is, God says, those who honour me, I will honour. What it really says is, those who make me weighty to them, I will make them weighty to me. Important. Those who put their weight behind what's important to me, I will put my weight behind what's important to them. Can you see how honour works? You see, it's when it's important to you. It's when it carries weight. You know, the reason you got up this morning on a Sunday morning when it was pouring with rain, quite mild though, by the way, isn't it? <laughs> When it was pouring with rain and got to church, it's because of honour. It's important to you. You got here. Some people would have fought with the children. And so we're going to church. I don't want to go, mommy. No, we're going. Why? Because it's important to us. We're honouring for something. And God blesses it. Praise the Lord that I don't have to fight with my teenage children anymore to get them to church. It's so good they want to be here. Have you ever felt honoured? Someone putting their weight behind what's important to you. Recently, we moved house, and uh, Sarah and I and, and our family felt so honoured because so many people gave up their free time to come and lift boxes, to come and move, move things around for us, to come and make tea for us when we were tired. It was brilliant. But I want to hi highlight one family. Thank you to everyone who did that, by the way, and there was lots of you amazing. I want to highlight one, fa like one family, and it's the Watsons. Where are the Watsons? Just a wave if you're in the room somewhere. Here's a Watson. I think Kerry's here. There's a Watson. Oh, there's a Watson there. There's a Watson there. They're about three people apart. Is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> the Watsons. Dave, I think, was first to turn up in the morning. And Dave is one of these handy guys who can just put his hand at anything. He brought his, my toolbox is like three pieces. Dave's got a toolbox. What do you need me to do, Barry? I said, well, if you can just take the house apart, I'm on it. He was there. And he worked and he worked. And when I turned around, you know, sometimes I was having a chat with someone. Dave wasn't chatting, he was working. Why? Because it was important to him to help me because I'm important to him. He stayed late. Two days later, we're in the new house, we're living out of boxes, and Sarah and I are planning to, to, to go to New Zealand. Because what you want to do is move house and then go straight to New Zealand. <laughs> Carrie, Dave's awesome wife, phones us up and said, I've made you a roast dinner, can I bring it round? And she brought it round. It wasn't just any old roast dinner. It was the epic of most epic roast dinners. Round of applause for that family. <laughs> See, my household is really difficult to feed. But everyone sat there and goes, this is brilliant, this is brilliant. We have offered Kerry a job, she turned it down. <laughs> but it wasn't just that, that she brought dessert. I can't even remember what dessert it was, but everyone just wolfed it down. I was like, that was so good. Do you know what it was? It was honour. You're in a new house. We know everything's up in the air. We know you're about to go away. We want to help. What's important to you is important to us. 
So we're getting our weight behind you. Round of applause for the Watson panel. Thank you. What does that translate into with a God relationship? What's important to God? And will you make important to God what's important to you? Because when you do, God's word says, and he has to be true to his word, you get your weight behind me, I'm getting my weight behind you. What does life look like with the weight of heaven behind it? What does it really look? Come on, picture it. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what you're dreaming for, but I know this. When you honor God, suddenly it's like, I know what's important to you. Here we go. And suddenly the Christian life isn't this slog. It's this breeze. It's like, I don't know what's going on, but I've been going to church and I've been doing a little bit and I've been praying some and I've spoke to someone and my life's just racing forward. Because the weight of heaven's behind. I'm more excited about this than you. Who wants the weight of heaven behind their life? Well, do you know what? It's a free will choice. It's a free will choice. We get to honour him. He's played his card, Jesus. Here's how I'll honour you. I'll give you my best. I'll hold nothing back. I'll give him to you. Now we get an opportunity to respond, and it's a response of honour. Are you with me? You have been made important to him in Jesus. Now we get to respond, and my encouragement to you is to respond in honour. Are you with me? Let's have a look at this passage. What is important to Jesus then? You know, If we're going to make what's important to Jesus important to us, what's important to him? Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. It's a bit of a chunk, but let's read it. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as shepherds separate sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Do you know what's important to Jesus? People. People are important to Jesus. And so if we are going to get our weight, honour, behind what's important to Jesus, what does that look like in our lives? Well, I want to suggest one of the things it looks like is looking out for people. Oh, when did I feed you? Well, you fed me when you turned up at Barry's house, when they were struggling and busy and stressed out. That's when you fed people. When, when you saw, saw the, the homeless charity and they had an outreach and they needed some products and some things to help the homeless people and you, you gave up your time and your money and you bought some products and you gave it to them. That's when you fed me. When that person was really down and anxious and you went round and you sat down and had a cup of tea with them, you gave up your morning when you could have been doing something else, that's when you sat with me. Yeah, Do you know what it is? It's putting your weight behind what's important to God. It's honour. Yeah. When you honour that person, you're actually honouring God. And here's the great thing, church. Those who honour me, I will honour. In doing that, and it's not the goal particularly, it's a weird thing in the Christian life, isn't it? It's not the goal, oh, God's going to bless me. The goal is to honour people. But the inevitability is God's going to recognise it and bless you. 
So in living that kind of life, you're actually attracting the blessing and presence of God. How about, church, we go out from today and look around the people? Who could I help? Who could I give something to? Who could I give some time to? Who could I have a cup of coffee with? Who could I pray for? Is there a ministry around me that I could see struggling and maybe I could be the person to step in? When you make important decisions like that, you're saying, God, you're weighty to me. You love people, so I'm going to love people. What's important to Jesus? Love God, love people. And so therefore, we are making important to us what is important to him. Are you with me? I love this idea that we get the opportunity to be Jesus' hands and feet and mouthpiece now. You know, we have the spirit of Jesus living in us. I wonder what Colchester would actually look like if the actual Jesus, physical Jesus, turned up. It's got to be different, hasn't it? Jesus literally rocks up and starts feeding thousands of people and healing loads of people. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? But you know what? Jesus is in all of us. And that's our job. To be his hands and feet, to be his mouthpiece, to live as faithful Christians and say, we're making important to us what's important to you. And if you were here today, do you know what? It would be different. So let's go and make it different. Let's go and make it different. When you look at so many brilliant charitable outreaches, a large chunk of them have Christian foundations. Either were started by the church or are continued by the church. Why? Because it's the church who get the heartbeat of God. We know that people and their, their situations are important to him. Jesus told the parable about it. And that's got in our hearts and we can't just sit there and watch anymore. We've got to do something. What's that doing? Getting our weight behind what's important to God. It's honour. It's kabed. Interestingly, you know, we, we seek after the glory of God. You know, on Wednesday we worshipped. And do you know when you get to that point where I would describe it as his presence was thick? Do you know what I mean when I say that? You know, you, you can't open your eyes and see it. And some people may, I haven't, but I can feel it. I even feel like my hands are like, oh, that's thick. Well, the word for the glory of God is kabod. And it comes from kabed. It's actually to do with honour. When you honour him with your worship, we get to experience the glory. Can you see it? And so what is it? The glory is the full weight of God. You know, we want to be people who live in the glory of God, that I'm actually feeling his presence wherever I go. That's what God wants for me and you. It's all linked with, you can't separate it from honour. You know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, with Bethel Church in Redding, California. They are probably the most, uh, most famous for healing and miracles. That's probably the thing they're, they're, they're the best at, they're most famous for. They say this, the reason God shows up miraculously in our services is because we've developed a culture of honour. It's not that we're better Christians than anyone else, but we have worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. Honour is a big thing to us. And what happens? God gives weight to it. And we start to see the things we're praying for. Are you hearing me? Honour is so important. Let's have a look at this one then. Jesus speaking, Luke 4, verse 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is one of Jesus' mission statements. This is why I'm here. Because I've been anointed. Anointed means rubbed in. Heaven has rubbed into me a mandate. And when he rubs into me a mandate, he empowers me to do it. So I am empowered from heaven to do this. What is he going to do? Heal broken-hearted people. So what's important to Jesus? Broken-hearted people. 
do you know we carry that mandate now? If you see brokenness around you and you step in, what are you doing? You're carrying weight about what's weighty to God. Can you see it? It says, I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor. When you start telling people about the good news, that there's a God in heaven who loves you, and you might be struggling right now, but if you just reach out to him, he'll step in and your world's going to change. There's going to be a hope in your heart you can't find anywhere else. When you start giving the gospel, what are you doing? You're making important to you what's important to God. Can you see? It is all honor. We get to be Jesus' hands and feet in our time right now. I love this. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. It's the, it's, the, it's the 50th year, it's the Jubilee year. And in the Jubilee year, all debts are forgiven. What great news we have. You can go to someone and say, it doesn't matter how rubbish you feel about yourself, according to God, all your debts are forgiven. You know, I don't know how you're feeling about yourself and how rubbish you are sometimes, but according to the acceptable year of the Lord, all your debts are forgiven. Amen. Give yourself a break. Yeah. Jesus just loves you, just as you are. But too much to leave you as you are. And so he says, your debts are forgiven. And I'm going to empower you and set you free. I'm going to bring you rest. The Jubilee year, they didn't work at all. And still ate and drank and lived and paid the bills. Because God did something. We are called to live in rest, people. And when we live like that, what are we doing? Living in honor. Trusting him. You're making me important to you. So I'm making you important to me. And this cycle of honor just grows. If you're someone who prays for people, what are you doing? You're being Jesus' hands and feet. You're making important to you what is important to him. It's honor. And what's the great thing about honor? When we honor God, he honors us. And so this Christian life is actually so exciting because although you give of yourself to all kinds of places where other people might not want to, the result is God honors you. And so then what's important to you, God says, I can get my weight behind you now. There's this relationship. So it's always been a relationship. Sometimes religion says, if you work harder, you do more and you become better, and then God might love you. But relationship says, I love you as you are. You do your best and I'll get my weight behind it. And on the journey, you'll be discipled and you'll step towards being a little bit more like Jesus on the way. It's a relationship. Can you see it? This just slight difference. What else is important to Jesus? Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus speaking. And I also say that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So, so it's Peter, whose name means rock. But it's this revelation that Peter has. Jesus asked his disciples, who do they say I am? And they gave him various answers and they said, who do you say I am? Do you know that's the biggest question they've ever asked? Who do you say Jesus is? It's the biggest question in all of humanity. And Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus comes alive and says, yes, on that revelation, I can build my church. When you understand who I really am, I can build on that. Are you with me? So building the church is important to Jesus. Why? Because we get the heart of God for people and God uses the church to reach humanity. We are his A, B, C, D and E and F plan. There isn't another plan. It's the church. It's us. If we don't step up, no one's stepping up. So church is important to God. So those of you who struggle to get here this morning, by, by getting your weight behind church, you're getting your weight behind what's important to Jesus. Everyone give yourselves a round of applause. Well done. We make church important in various ways. One is attendance, but then there's this opportunity to say, well, how can I help? 
How can I help build? You know, how can I serve somewhere? Can I come and greet people? Could I serve the children? Could I help with the sound team? You know, I'm a great vocalist. Could I come and be on the worship team and throw my weight behind that? I don't know what it might be. But when you start serving, what are you doing? Getting your weight behind what's important to God. And when you do that, what happens? He gets his weight behind what's important to you. Those who honour me, I will honour. Not I might honour, I'll think about it one day. I will. I will honour you. Are you with me? Sometimes I need some feedback, church. God honours those who honour him. And I think sometimes the serving part is quite obvious. If you come to this church and you've decided this is home, can I challenge you? Serve somewhere. Serve somewhere. The more we all pull together, the more we can do to glorify Jesus. Whatever that might look like, just do something. Even if you think, I'm, I'm rubbish at this, just, just, just get involved somewhere. It might be in midweek. You know, get yourself to a connect group. Get your weight behind the church, because when your weight is behind the church, your weight is behind what's important to God, and then his weight will be behind you. Am I making myself clear? Yeah. The other area, and I, I want to I talk to you about money. And um, we've been meeting here for over a year now, and I've not once spoken about money. So if you're new to church here, or you've been to church for a little while, hear my heart. We're not here banging on about money every single week. I know the church possibly has a reputation for that, but not here. However, if you look, Jesus gave 39 parables, 39. 11 of them were about money. So Jesus spoke about money about a third of the time. And yet we don't talk about money at all. And the thing is, keep your hand now, put your hand up if money is not important to you. There you go. Money is important to all of us. Who knows you can't function without it? You can't pay the bills, you can't eat, you can't take the ladies out, guys, without the money. You can't wear the latest shoes, you can't drive the car. without. We all need money. And so, therefore, shouldn't we get our handle on what does God say about money? What does God want to do with money? And he talks about it a lot. So we just need to sometimes talk about it. And do you know what? It's an honor thing. And that's why I'm bringing it into this. Let me talk to you about the tithe. And the reason I want to talk about the tithe is because I feel like the tithe gets a bad rap. People have misunderstood the tithe. People have been taught it incorrectly. People have had pressure put on them. That is not me. I'm not putting pressure on anyone. But my goal is to point you to the word. Because if we can understand the word, you can make a free will choice on how you want to respond to that word. Here's the thing with the tithe. Who believes the tithe is the law by raise of hand? It's the law. Oh, I'm quite impressed with that. No one's put their hand up. Most churches, everyone will put their hand up. Because on one level, it is the law. Let me talk to you about the journey of the tithe. We have Abraham, who's the father of our faith. You know, New Testament says, if you're going to be a Christian, you need to live like Abraham lived. So he's the father of our faith. And what he did is he came out of his tent and he looked up and God said, will you just go to a land I'm not even telling you about. Will you just leave, you, leave here and go? And he just said, yes, that's a faith step. And God's like, yes, I can get behind that man. And he says, you're going to be a father of multiple nations. And all this amazing stuff goes off. But he bumps into this guy called Melchizedek. The verse will come on the screen in Genesis 14, verses 18 to 20. I won't read it, but you can read it. He bumps into this guy called Melchizedek, and Melchizedek is known as a forerunner for Jesus. He was the, he was the prophet and the priest at the time, and, and people looked to him. And so what happened is Abraham bumps into Melchizedek. There is no law, there is no rules, there is no nothing. And just in his heart, he suddenly senses I need to give you a tenth. And he just does it. 
gives him a tenth. All that I have, I'm giving you a tenth. It was just a heart response to meeting this forerunner for Jesus. Genesis 14, 18 to 20. No law, no rules, just a heart response. Later on, we find Jacob. And are you familiar with Jacob's, that, Jacob's ladder, where, where, where heaven touches earth and, and angels go up and down, and, and Jacob's having this dream, and, and he realizes it. He wakes up and he says, wow, heaven, the heavens are open above me. This is Bethel, which means the house of God, you know, which is why so many churches are called Bethel. The house of God is where heaven touches earth. And then he says this amazing thing. Will it be on the screen? Here, let me read it to you. Um, I will set up this pillar and it will be called God's house and all that you give me, I'll give you a tenth. No rules, no law, just a heart response to heaven touching earth. The right thing to do now is to give you a tenth. The tithe means a tenth, that's what it means. And, and so you've got these two forerunners of the faith before any rules were put in place, having their hearts moved with honour. I honour you God, I'm giving you a tenth. It's always been about honour. Then you get Moses. Moses knows this stuff. Moses understands what's going on here. Moses wrote the book of Genesis. He gets it. And he's looking at it. It says, the forefathers of our faith gave a tenth to God. It's a good thing to do. And then he looked around at the people he's leading, Israel. Who knows that Israel, their famous description is stiff-necked people. That's what the Bible often calls the Israelites. It's just like, we know what we're doing. Do you know, have you ever had a stiff neck? Have you ever woken up and you slept all funny and you had to walk around all day like this? It's really painful. Well, that's how the Bible often describes the Israelite people, yet God loves them. And so he's leading these stiff-necked people and he has had a revelation. The right thing to do is to give God a tenth because it's going to be a blessing. It's going to be an honour thing. That's the right thing to do. But these stiff-necked people, they're not going to do that. And I'm their leader. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it a rule. If I make it a rule, they've got to do it because it's the right thing to do. So he writes the law. And in the law, you have to give God a tenth. And so that's where we always say it's the law and it is. But the reason it is, is because they were so hard-hearted and stiff-necked that Moses, their leader, had a revelation of what the forefathers did and said it's the right thing to do. They're not going to do it, so I'll make it a law. Can you, are you following me? So, so now they've got to do it. But even when they had to do it, they didn't do it. And God's, God, God gets a bit miffed. He's like, for crying out loud, throw me a bone here, someone. Do you know where I think it starts? I think it starts in the garden. One tree. Honour me with one tree. That's my portion. It's the portion. We touched it. We dishonoured him. We removed from his presence. And then we have the forefathers of our faith do the very same thing, the tenth. The first tenth is the king's portion. It's God's portion, not mine. It's his. And I'm going to give it to him. And God says, yes. This is honour. And those who honour me, I can honour. And Moses says, yes. And the people say, well, I'll do anything else, but don't you dare touch my money. How very dare you. Anyone ever come to church and go, don't talk to me about money. Well, that's how it's been. But God's in heaven saying, those who honour me, I will honour. This is a relationship. And if I can oversee the world, I can oversee your finances. Who feels like if I give a tenth, I'm going to be poor? Well, I don't know anyone who tithes who's poor. Don't know one. Why? Because God honours those people who honour him. Now, hear me out, because there's, other, there's this other message which people call the prosperity gospel. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. That's not what it is. This is honour and this is heart. Okay? I am not saying if next week you give a tenth, you're going to be a billionaire the following week. If anyone ever says that to you, go... Pfft. But what I am saying is, those who honour God, God will honour. 
And I want to say it's such a heart issue. Most of the time when the word talks about money, it relates it to heart. You might say, I show my heart to God in X, Y, and Z way. I believe most people show their heart to God in the way they handle their finances because it's ours. I earned that. Here's the weird sort of oxymoron. How many people have prayed to God, I've got an interview coming, can you get me this job? So we pray to God for the job, which is ultimately about earning money, and we come to church with our money and say, it's mine. Are you with me? And it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue and it's a faith issue. Because if your heart is soft towards God, you're going to say, I want to honour you with all of my life. And if your faith is right, you'll trust him. Oh, to only live off 90% of my income? Well, I know so many tithers who live off 90% of their income far better than they'd ever have lived off 100% of it. Why? Because the weight of heaven comes behind areas of their life and it just goes better. 90% with God is better than 100% without him. Are you with me? So this is, this, this, this is probably the most famous passage on the tithe in the whole Bible. So I've given you the pre-context. Abraham gave a tithe, no rules. Jacob gave a tithe and called it the house of God where heaven touches earth, no rules. Moses sees that, knows the people and makes the rule. The people, even though there's a rule, don't, don't honour the rule. And this is the most famous passage. God speaking into this situation, Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask How are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Can I just read that one thing again, because I'm going to refer to it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. We call the storehouse the church. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see, I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that will not be room enough to store it. There's honour. You honour me in this, and I'm going to just open up heaven, and I'm going to honour you back. It doesn't say, honour me in this, and I'll make you super rich. That's not what it says. It says, I'll bless you. And so much happens when we start taking our fingers off our finances and say, me, my relationships, my health, my ministry, my work, my finance, all of me is yours. Use me how you want to use me. And if actually declaring my heart in honour to you is, by, is giving the tithe, I'm up for it. And just watch God honour that decision. I want to encourage you, if you don't yet tithe, think about it. Pray about it. Talk to people about it. But I guarantee you this, I can promise this with, because it's an I will. God will honour you. He will. He just will. Are you with me? It's a relationship. Moses made it a law and a rule, but it was always supposed to be a relationship. Hearts connecting with God. Do you see the purpose in Malachi there? I read it twice. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe to your church so there might be food on the table. The food on the table is the church functioning. See, this is a meal. You might be able to bring a friend or a family member or a colleague or, or another student or, or someone with you and we've prepared a meal, a meal of worshipping God, a, a meal of something from the word, a meal of prayer, a meal of creating. This is, this is a meal with God in the middle of it. But it cannot happen without the tithe because otherwise we can't rent this building. We can't have that light. You can't have the screen. Do you see? The tithe enables the church to function. Lots of people believe in the tithe, but they believe in doing what they want to do with the tithe. I'll stick it over there, and I'll stick, I'm still giving to God. And the church is struggling. The point of the tithe is that there might be food in my house. That's the point. 
And guess what? Those who honour God honour him. You know, before I give these messages, I, I speak about finances probably once a year for all the obvious reasons. And I always get pushed back. Didn't sleep great last night. We had a difficult morning because I believe the devil doesn't want you to get this. But God wants you to get it. So hear me. I'm not a pastor banging the drum telling you what you do. I'm trying to point you to the word. And if you'll allow your heart to go to the word and put it into action, God will honour you. He just will. Yeah? Here, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each should give what they have decided to give in your heart. Can you see? Everywhere there is a money moment, there's a heart moment. It's all about heart and relationship. It's not about rules and oppression. Give what you decided to give in. It's fine. Sow sparingly. That's cool. I love you anyway. You're showing me your heart in that. But when you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you knew God was going to bless your giving, how much would you give? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you see? Your life abounding, your having what you need at all times and all places is linked to your giving. And it's, and it's just like, oh, I know it's challenging, but sometimes we've got to challenge each other. I'm a big believer, if you go to a church and you go three times and have never felt challenged once in three weeks, you're probably in the wrong church. Yeah. We need challenging. Yeah. We're not right about everything all the time. We get into our comfort zones and God's saying, come on church, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. Because I want you to be the church I've called you to be. Yeah. That means changing something. Yeah. Are you hearing me? If you came for the first time and you're hearing this, sorry, I don't normally talk about this. But maybe it'll bless you. Maybe it'll bless you. Can you see this is an honour thing? It's a heart thing. It's a relationship thing. You know, it, it literally amazes me the amount of prayer requests I see about work. Barry, can you, can you get the church praying? I've got an interview. Barry, can, you know, I've, I've lost my job. Or I think I might be losing my job and I've got this. And I'm sitting and I'm thinking, I know you don't give. But you want God to provide. And yet God says, those who honour me, I will honour. He's honoured you in Jesus already. He's played his card. The ball's in our court. So when we start honouring him, we can go to him with our prayer request because we're honouring him. And he says, now I can get my weight behind you. But what we want to do is go to the genie in the sky. <laughs> Lord, give me what I want. No matter what I do, just give me what I want. And he's like, but this is a relationship. And it's a relationship based on honour. You show me your heart and how you're living. And as you show me your heart, I'll release mine to you. It's a Can you hear me? Can you hear me? It's not about getting rich. And I think some people are called to be rich, actually. We've got some wealthy people in this church. But I believe it's because they've honored God all the way. And what they've done is they've shown, I can handle it. I can handle it. I'll, I'll fund mission. I'll fund the church. I'll bless people. Yes, have nice things. Now, I, I believe Jesus had a seamless garment. Now, they, the, the Roman soldiers wanted Jesus' clothes. They drew lots for them, didn't they? Seamless garment. I believe Jesus was wearing the Hugo Boss of his time. Because the Roman soldiers wanted it. If they were old rags, would the Roman soldiers have wanted them? No. But he had a seamless garment. That would have been expensive. So I'm not really buying into the poor as a church mouse mentality. Because I don't think Jesus was. But I'm also not buying into the get rich quick mentality. And we all need to be wealthy. That's not true either. 
when you look at the passages, it talks about blessing in general, not just money. I will bless you in every area of your life so that you have all your need on every occasion. Do you see? So this, please hear me. I want to labor it because I know how it sometimes goes down. Into, this is not a get-rich-quick thing. This is an honor thing. And when you honor God, he honors you in every area of your life. You might say to me, but Pastor Barry, there are loads of people who aren't Christians who are super wealthy. Yes, there are. But here's the thing. Proverbs 10, verse 22. The blessings of the Lord bring wealth without painful toil to it. I know very wealthy people who aren't in church, but their life is completely unbalanced. Their marriages are struggling. Their parenthood is struggling. They're stressed. They're putting more and more hours in. You know, some of them get into drugs and drink just to cover the stress of it all and keep the energy levels up. Yes, they've got loads of money and they can have a holiday, but they're living for the holiday. They're not living for life. And they've got all this money and it's toil. But the word says the blessings of the Lord bring wealth without the painful toil. Why? Because you honor him and he gets the weight of heaven behind your life. And it's not a struggle. The weight of heaven's behind you. Can you see it? I hope it's helping you. I hope it's helping you. God is so in love with you. He longs to see you satisfied and thriving. He's done everything already he needs to do in Jesus. You've got more than enough. But he's so willing that when we start honouring him in our actions, in our words, in our deeds, in our getting our weight behind the things that are important to Jesus, in our financial world, when there is honour involved, what happens? The weight of heaven comes behind your life and life just gets better. Are you hearing it? Can you stand up? I'd love to pray for you. Jesus, Jesus. Let me just invite you to close your eyes a moment. Let's give Jesus our full attention. Lord, I pray for these brilliant people in our church and all the people who are going to watch this online later. Bless them, I pray. Stir our hearts, oh God. When you make your choice right now, Lord, I give you my heart again. I give you my whole self. I honour you. I put my weight behind what's important to you. Help me to look at people as you look at people. Help me to use my time in a way that honours you and makes you weighty. Lord, for those of us who need some understanding or a challenge or a new decision in our financial handlings, I pray, Lord God, that you'd give us revelation. That there'll be no pressure and no condemnation, but there'll be a revelation in our hearts of what it looks like to honour you. Build your house, Lord God, through people like us, that Jesus might be made known. Lord, I call you to your own word that you will honour everyone who honours you. That people would have testimonies in their life that the weight of heaven was behind me. A door opened, a miracle took place, a healing happened, a story developed, and it had to be you, God. Well, I believe some of your stories start in a heart decision of honour. And it's a relationship to say, Jesus, you're weighty to me. Jesus, you're weighty to me.
so I make important to me what's important to you. I pray our workplaces could be better because we're there. Our places of study could be better because we're there. Our places where we live are better because we're there. And we carry the presence of God wherever we go. Sometimes I feel like in a gathering like this, it's helpful to make a response. Every eye's closed right now. Maybe it'd be helpful for you today to say, I'm making a new choice. And a choice made on honour. In whatever area of that life that might be for you, whether it's finances or people or use of your time or serving, whatever it might be. If today you're saying, yes, I feel stirred, I need to make a different decision, just shove your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. God bless you there. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for great people who are saying, I choose to honour you. Bless them, Lord, I pray. Bless them, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone here today who feels like you need Jesus in the centre of your heart? Maybe you've never known him. Maybe you were closer to him once. It's the day the day you get your life right with Jesus. The best decision you'll ever make. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Just give me a wave. If that's you, shove your hand up and I'll pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I can't see anyone. I'm always going to give that offer, but we're good. Lord, we cry for salvation for our friends, our family, our colleagues, our neighbours. We cry out that they might know you. And that as we put on a feast in church life, they might come and partake and know you as King of kings and Lord of lords, that you'd be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. I send everyone away blessed, encouraged, challenged to seek your face and give you our hearts at another level. And all God's people said, Amen.